0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? And Joanne Mercer. Hey, Joanne. Hey, Dom. Folks, I want to tell you about another StarQuest network show you are sure to enjoy called The Catholics of Oz. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash oz. And you will get all kinds of awesome stuff about what's going on in Australia, New Zealand, uh, and other Catholic stuff and science and entertainment. They do a great job over there. So check that out at The Catholics of Oz. So before we get into our main topic, we do have a little bit of listener feedback. Uh, We got something from on our recent episode where I talked with uh, Father Andrew and Pat about technology for students and studying. And Lanky Ogre on our Discord server at sqpn.com slash Discord says, "Uh, I just listened to the students and studying episode, and I was really disappointed that they didn't bring up Chromebooks at all. And Google Suites got just the barest passing mention. Yo, You're right. We didn't actually talk a lot about Chromebooks. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not biased against it. My daughter had a Chromebook for many years that she used for her schoolwork. Um, I kind of I guess I was focusing more on college stuff. And I think a lot of college students are mainly Windows and Mac OS. Um, But there are some decent Chromebooks out there that you can get even at, a, you know, a, a decent price point around, yep. you know, the same price as you get for Macs and Windows laptops. Um, I,
1: Often cheaper. Yeah. Often a, a Chromebook you know, is, is cheaper equivalently because it doesn't have the full featured operating system. And that you know that's my design. It's meant to be a kind of walled garden, yes. to use the Apple term, <laughs> you know, where ah. you're using the Google services <laughs> and you're using the web inf- interface and stuff like that. And so, yeah, for students, even for college students, I think as long as they're not doing a technical field, you know, if they're doing uh, journalism, if they're doing, you know, English lit, humanities, stuff like that, um, even like nursing, yeah, I I think even that, because you might not have that idea, anything where you'd have to run a Windows or Mac program, you know, as part of your classes, right? You'd be fine. And I think it would actually work really well for them because I think a lot of universities are doing either like the office 365 or Google suite packages with their students. So, so, you know, that would, that would work for that.
0: And we definitely did mention the Google suites as, especially in its collaboration abilities. I mean, you could use it uh, on your own as an individual. And I mean, I use it every day for, for what we do here. Um, but, uh, like you said, a lot of the universities will have discounted versions of Office that they give and but if you're on mm-hmm. a Chromebook, you certainly can't run <laughs> Office on yeah. on it or and or you know, LibreOffice. So yeah, sure. You, you would be using Google Suites and it's perfectly functional for that. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, that's Well and you you can do they do have
1: the online version of Office, but it, it's oh, stripped yeah. down compared to it's it's similar in feature
0: set to Google the Google Suites. In in which case you may as well just use Google Suites if you're on a Chromebook. Yeah. yeah.
2: And you know, I look at Chromebooks as something that's better for middle school, high school. Once you get into university, it's like okay, you're studying. Some people are studying intricate things, like for example, music. There mm-hmm. is no online music that I know of, you know, that does notation or scoring or anything like that. So you have to have a computer for that.
1: Well, and that's getting into getting into the technical fields as well. You know, if you're you're right. an engineer. You're going to be using CAD drawing software and things mm-hmm. like that. I just used the the same word computer aided de- computer aided design drawing. No, that's fine. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, was thinking, I was thinking I was doing the ATM machine problem. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, In, uh, and pin okay. numbers. <laughs> yeah, but but you, but
1: you know these computer design or you know engineering design and mm-hmm. even some programming. You're going to need
0: software that's not available on a Chromebook. Science and math and that sort of thing. Yeah
2: and i just will i just will say i listened to that episode and i thought you guys did a great job trying to break all of that down and i and i know you mentioned well chromebooks are a different thing and that's the reason why because they're limited and therefore a group that is not highly technical you know mm-hmm. that's using a computer for proprietary software or anything like or anything specific to um a particular uh you know, occupation and what they're going to be studying.
0: Yeah. And as someone also brought up Linux. We didn't talk much about Linux. And uh, honestly, I did some research beforehand and, you know, more than 90% of people are using Windows or uh, Mac OS. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very small percentage that use Linux and usually in a highly technical area uh, where yep. you would know whether you need to have Linux or not, frankly. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, but Linux is a possibility if you're someone who is, I wouldn't I wouldn't take someone who's used to Chromebook or Mac or Windows and send them off to college with a Linux machine as their like their first Linux machine. That's right. probably a bad idea, uh, because they're they're gonna have to figure out how that works in addition to, you know, all the other stuff about college. So yeah, send them with something they know. That's probably the best thing. Right. All right, so let's talk about our main topic today. This was uh, a topic that came by request from a listener who wanted us to talk more about, uh, or at all about, personal finance software. And uh, yeah, this is an important area. We we all have have stewardship of the fun finances and funds that the. God blesses us with. And we have responsibilities toward uh, ourselves and other people and to use our money wisely and that sort of thing. So, yeah, personal finance software is a big area and there's a lot of stuff out there and we're only going to be covering. We're going to cover as much as we can. There's Mm -hmm. there's a lot more out there as I was researching this topic. There's just so much out there for this sort of thing, covering all kinds of areas. So we're going to kind of hit the big names and some of the stuff that we're familiar with. And if folks have particular questions about things, they can certainly ask us on our discord or email us at technology at SQPN.com. And we can come back to it. Um, But the first thing to say about this is the Intuit, the company Intuit, dominates this space, (laughs) the vast majority. They have multiple different product lines covering this. They've purchased many companies. And so a lot of this stuff is going to and we'll start with Intuit. They are the the big behemoth in uh, personal finance software. Um, So but just keep that in mind and we'll identify them. But we also have other other sources. If you don't want to have to be beholden to Intuit, we have some others to recommend as well. Um, so we should start with the granddaddy of them all, the, the big kahuna, which is Quicken. Quicken is, I gosh, I remember using Quicken on my Apple II 30 years ago, probably, I don't yeah. know, a long time ago. Quicken is around forever. I think I had a 96
1: edition of it, you know, back on my old Windows 3 one <laughs> machine.
2: Yes. You yes, know,
1: it was the
0: first software I used.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We've been using Quicken for a very long time as well.
0: Yeah, so and and it's related to the, a, a business product that they have. We're not going to be really talking about business class software, but you know they have QuickBooks and that stuff. But Quicken they have multiple editions of Quicken available, but the basic package is is Quicken uh, Deluxe, I think they call it, and it's the thirty six dollars a year for the basic package, and it does traditional category based budgeting so it offers you know you could you uh, uh you know you have your budget area for housing and a budget area for food and you know that sort of thing and um it it has all of the basic functions and then there are uh packages that give you more if you need more if you have more complex uh investments or rental properties and some other things like that uh quicken has basic uh, investment related features, and it has some tax related features. And one of the things where it's apparently stands out is in what if analysis. So it lets you kind of say, Well, what if I got a high a raise, or what if I spent more money in this area, or what if I saved more, and how that would um pan out in the future. So, uh, you know, Joanne, do you, are, you said that you guys use your family, you use Quicken. Um, you know, is there anything particular with Quicken that uh, you prefer?
2: Is it a better package? Have you tried other things? We my husband is a businessman, mm-hmm. so he has always been with the Intuit family of whatever. And he wanted me to get it out of, a, you know, the paper checkbook into a digital checkbook. So, I we just have the starter plan, okay? They have for Mac at least. They have three plans: starter, deluxe, and premiere. And I just need it as a checkbook. Um, in in deluxe, it gets bigger, and premiere you can even do retirement planning. So, of course, I've started to say, dear, should we probably <laughs> be looking at <laughs> <laughs> right. some of that? <laughs> um, but but i like it because it can be that simple. The way i have it set it up, set up is a basic checking account where i see check numbers, i see the payee, i see the category, deposits amounts and balance. So, i'm good with that. It will, you know, you can click something, it'll show me my spending and i cry every time i see that. Because when you the key to this is using the categories. If you are really diligent, And you, everybody you pay is in a specific category. You can see how much you spend at home, how much you spend for taxes, how much you spend for shopping. You know, if not, it's all over the place. You keep using under time, you know, uncategorized. You look at uncategorized and go, gee, what does that all mean? (laughs) Um, What you can do with this also is you can hook it up to your account, your, your, your bank checking account. account. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to be the, the real Debbie. Da- I, I have not gotten into that because I've seen the problems that people have with it. If the bank screws up, they're screwed up. Okay. And, and, and so I keep everything. I always have my window open for my bank. I put in whatever comes in. I put in my deposits in manually. I just do it as a, as a safeguard. Your mileage may vary, but this has worked for us for mm, 25 years, at least. And my husband actually uses the starter package to do his, to run his tax preparation. He can, instead quick, QuickBooks is too big. QuickBooks has gotten really big. We use QuickBooks in the diocese at, you know, to manage the parishes and collaboratives. So, for us at home, it's been, you know, this works fine for him. But then my husband uses Excel on top yeah. of it. Uh, yeah, an Excel because, spreadsheet, yeah. Yeah, he'll use an Excel spreadsheet because he is master of Excel. And he just loves it. And he can make it do That's anything funny. he wants it to do. So, but these these are going up their subscription. I hate it because, you know, every year it's a new... New you know, it's, it was, yep. Yeah, it was 36 last year. It's 41 this year. What's it going to be next? That's the starter. What's it going to be next year?
0: And the thing is, is, with the starter, like if you need to track loans or investments or you want to do yearly budgets so or that sort of thing, that you can't do that mm-hmm. in the starter. You have to move up to the deluxe. Right. And then right. you know it goes up from there. So, I mean, in one sense, it's good because then you're not paying for features you don't need. But Quicken right. it looks like it. Uh, it might be the more ex- expensive option for a lot of things, um, so
2: yeah, because their 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 premiere is up to ninety dollars a year.
0: Oh, yeah, yep.
2: right. So that's that's what I'm saying. We've we've stuck with starter, and my husband can make anything work with the Excel spreadsheets. If he doesn't have it in Quicken, he puts it in Excel.
1: One one thing kind of mentioned too is, of course, Quicken started as a standalone program that wasn't online, mm-hmm. and if you can get a legal Hint, legal <laughs> copy of some of the older versions that may be uh, sufficient for you. Yeah.
2: Not you know, again, really hint,
1: legal <laughs> yeah. that does right. not have the online right. stuff.
2: Yeah. Right. That does not have the <laughs>
1: online stuff. That's the point. You yeah. know, I mean, some of the online stuff's not going to work. But if you can get the old, I mean, we're talking almost a decade old version of Quicken, but yeah. you'd be surprised what you can find in places like Goodwill.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. but, but true, um, you like know, a for box. software. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. a box and stuff like that. If you can find that, that may be sufficient for you, too, because if you're just doing basic checkbook stuff, you're not doing the investment, you're not doing the bank connections, you're not doing any of that kind of stuff. You know, maybe you're doing your budget in it. That might be sufficient. But again, I'm going to emphasize this legal, (laughs) legal, old copy. And they're out there. They are out there.
2: I, (laughs) I, I get you. But don't hook it up to a computer that goes on the Internet. Because if it tries to phone home for any reason, right? Yeah, QuickBooks will start saying you need to get a subscription, and that's why we ended up getting a subscription. We had legal copies, yeah, and they were just making it more and more difficult.
1: They they should probably give you the nag screen, but they shouldn't cut you off.
2: Um, yeah. They've. I, it depends again. on how old. I won't, go, <laughs> I won't go into what happened with QuickBooks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's QuickBooks too, though. That's a whole nother. Yeah, yeah. True, but.
0: So one of the things you mentioned, Joanne, is the automatic syncing. A lot of these services will offer to automatically, if you enter in your account information for your bank, your credit cards, your loans, they will your IRA, all that sort of stuff, it will automatically download any transactions and information, try to categorize it for you. Use it smarts. I have in the past found that to be me, you know, at at figuring out what things are, and you know, then I end up spending a lot of time saying, "This is this category, this is this category," and frankly, one of the things, one of the things that most of them do is they allow you to do split transactions. Because I'll tell you, you know, you, I sometimes I buy things that are would fall in more than one budget category, so I end up splitting the 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 items out. And uh, and so a lot of them allow you to do quick and will allow you to do split transactions. But that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time. And you have to weigh whether that is worthwhile. Are you getting is is it important enough to do all that categorization for you? Um, Or I would suggest sometimes if you really want to budget, make big categories, not fine, you know, uh, uh, small, fine-tuned categories, uh, you'll just save yourself time. You mean not fuel for
1: car number one, fuel for car number two? <laughs> <Yeah>. no.
2: <laughs> no, but if you're doing home, you really would want to separate utilities from sure, th- yeah, from other things. It also has a nice calendar feature, too, where you can hit calendar. It'll show you what you did on every day. So if something got paid, this is what happened on this day. And you can see it, Almost like tracking your spending, yep, and track and tracking your your income. So it comes in, mine comes in on a Tuesday, and by Friday, I'm, it's out the door. So uh, <laughs>
0: another thing to look for when you're looking for software in general, you know, is um, ones that have uh, bank bill pay, so that you can pay your bills. Through the software, you don't have to go to a separate bank website. If if that's possible, sometimes that's possible. Also, bill reminders is a very handy feature. Mm, so it can remind you when a bill's coming yeah. up and you can even schedule bills. Um, I use my my uh omnifocus task tracker for, for that, but you know, you could you know, you could have that all in one place. So
1: Yeah. So yeah, some of these some of these software packages you could just set up where every month on this date this bill gets entered. Yes. And it just mm. does it. Right, and so you know that you know, especially if that's an online automatic, you know, the the gas bill gets paid every first of the month, and it's done yeah. automatically. And here's how much it's, you know, and then you just have to change how much it happens to be or whatever.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, that would be, yeah, that's a that's great. You can either do that on. Sometimes you can do it on the the website of the company you're doing business with, or if it, they don't do it, maybe you can do it inside the software that you're using. So, uh, like you said, uh, Intuit has a lot of products. So they have another one called Simplify. And it's kind of when I first encountered this, I'm like, what's this? Why would I do this instead of just do Quicken? So Simplify is they bill it as simple finance tracking in five minutes a week. Now the bottom line, we'll give you the bottom line in front. It's six bucks a month, so it's more expensive than Quicken Starter, um, or sixty bucks a year. So it kind of falls in the middle of Quicken's various price points. Um, it's as a simplified interface for tracking expenses and to budget and save. I feel like this is aimed at a younger audience who doesn't want something that looks like accounting software but wants to have a lot of that same information for budgeting. Uh, one of the, the features that it touts is that it automatically generates a monthly spending plan based on your income, bills and subscriptions that it sees um, and then tells you here, this is what's left to spend. So it's sort of budgeting based on your history and your current, you know, past and present um, it will auto detect bills. So it, it synchronizes with your accounts or so auto detect bills, but it doesn't have bank bill pay and it has only very basic investment features. So uh, one of the I'll put in the show notes is a link to an article that compares Quicken to simplify and shows where one is better than the other. And it kind of weighs out the various aspects of it, but, um, so uh actually I'm sorry, S- Simplify in our next one, which is also into a product, which is Mint, that compares those two, uh the differences. Um and yeah, I'll just briefly mention Mint. Mint is light is it's very similar to Simplify where it auto detects transactions, it synchronizes with your accounts, uh but it but it doesn't cost any money. It's actually free. The way that they offer it for free is by they offer you finance products based on your activity and you know what they detect in your bills and how you're spending money um and so they'll offer credit cards and loans and that sort of stuff um so it can be a little naggy a little annoying that way uh the budgeting and budgeting and uh, uh spending tracking tools are more simplified more basic than than simplifies sorry <laughs> cuz i know that's going to sound confusing um and it does have some investment tracking tools that Simplify doesn't have. So, um, but it's free.
2: And see, when I was looking at Simplify and and Mint, I noticed Simplify looks more like Quicken, just, you know, pared back. Mint is a totally different beast well, altogether. Good, but now good reason I can for understand that. Yeah, yeah, now I can understand why. Well, there's
1: there's another good reason for that. Mint was not created by Intuit originally. It oh, was yeah. bought by Intuit uh,
2: oh, about a decade okay. ago or
1: a little less than that. Yeah. Because I, I I played with it when it was still a different, when it was kind of a standalone thing. It kind of started as a mm-hmm. kind of a grassroots project that really developed. And Intuit said, thank you. Here's the money. Give us the product. Yeah, you right. know, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, they, they,
0: they did. I actually I, I used mint as well uh, at the time. And. Um, it was okay, I just, I found, I tried to use it for what it is, you know, for the product it is, and, like, a lot of these things, I just found that it didn't give me the, it's not that it didn't give me the information, I just found it, I spent so much time working on it, like, yeah. you know, recategorizing things, and it wouldn't learn, like, Hey, you know, every time you see this particular thing in my transactions, that's what this is. So every in the future, and that's one of the frustrating things to me is, is when these things don't learn. I want them to learn. Like every time you see this particular phrase, that means it's this. Um, mm-hmm. And so I that and I end up not using the product after a while because I just I don't <laughs> I get annoyed with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Mint um, is. Is different. It's simplified, and and I feel like that's the, the the way that they've done this is like you have Mint on one end, Quicken on the other, and simplify in the middle, and that's why you have yeah. these these products in their in their range. Now, now is, is
1: Quicken uh, joint is Quicken still a actual desktop app like it was it, back in the day? It's
2: desktop and iOS.
1: Okay, but it, but so, it's still you still download an actual program to run Quicken, yes. and I think that's a key distinction, too, is oh, Quicken yeah. is still the old-fashioned, you know, Windows or Mac-based app, whereas Simplify and Mint are both web-based. That's true. Web and iOS and yep. Android-based. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so. and,
2: and I've had a little bit of problem using Quicken on my iPad because it doesn't like to play the same way with the categories, mm-hmm. so I end up using it mostly on the desktop.
0: Okay. Okay. It's interesting that I thought they did have a web interface, but it but it is downloadable software, too. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I know now QuickBooks the, is a web interface now.
2: Yeah, I was going to say yep. QuickBooks is web yep. interface and that they don't want you to have on your computer for because <laughs> they want you to subscribe to them. Right. Yep, right.
0: exactly. So, uh now uh, while we're talking about the, all the various Intuit products, I just wanted to mention that there's another finance product that they have called Credit Karma that does Your credit monitoring—it'll give you Mm -hmm. your credit score, and um, that basically for free, you get a free credit score. It's a bit naggy. (laughs) When I say it's a bit (laughs) naggy, it's very naggy. It's—it's always trying to get you to open new accounts, and um, and and people who you know financial advisors will tell you it's not a great idea to open many new accounts, despite what credit karma tells you. You can grow your credit by having new accounts the more often you open accounts, that actually affects your credit score. It'll actually bring it down some. Yep. So, you know.
1: Yeah, one, one, one thing it does for, you know, supposed to give you, you know, a boost of your credit score. Well, part of it is giving you more credit available to you. Yes. You know, so that it looks like you're not using as much of your total credit availability. Right. You know, so if you go from, you know, 80%, 70% on credit cards to 50 or 60%, well, yeah, your your credit scores can go up. It just means now you've got more credit sitting out there available to you that you could waste if you're not very smart. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, And one one thing,
1: one thing you should mention too is credit karma. Um, So I've been using TurboTax again, talking, going all the way back to the nineties, you know, back when you actually had to go buy the box of TurboTax and install it on your computer. Um, And uh, recently they've combined, you know, of course, TurboTax and is also owned by Intuit. And now if you want to do your tracking of your tax returns, you have to do it through credit karma,
0: right, yeah,
1: which is really annoying. That's the only reason why I have a credit karma account is so I could track my
0: when your yeah, tax returns
1: your return coming back,
0: yeah, so yeah, I mean it's be, you be careful with it, I mean it's useful, and then there are other sources for your credit score for free, like you can get free credit mm-hmm. scores from other places as well, um they have some premium products, I don't really see any point in. And that, you know, and, you know, if you if you have a credit karma, you go to credit karma has set up an account. It, you can if you're actually looking for credit, a uh, car loan or credit card or mortgage, mm-hmm. they have some tools to help you find those. And so that can be useful if you're in the market for credit of various kinds. But, yeah. you know, just be careful with the, what the recommendations and the nagging it gives you. That's for sure. Mm hmm. So, uh, so that's, and that's, so that's career karma. And again, it's free for basic functions. There are premium products for some reason. (laughs) I don't know why. So (laughs) let's talk about another product that I've used before, which called YNAB, or which is short for you need a budget. And uh, let me tell you, YNAB is a, for some people, is a way of life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They evangelize YNAB. It's like, it's almost like a religion. Um, they, because for some people, it this is the the way that like finally figured out a way to keep track of their money to get their finances in order it just clicked for them and and that's one of the nice things with having a variety of products out there is different people have different things that click for them someone who is an accountant or thinks like an accountant you know quicken is the thing someone who is a bit more you know on the humanities side of things so we say <laughs> you know some of these other uh, Products might be a better fit So YNAB is envelope budgeting and Which is different from traditional budgeting oh, so, yep. so every dollar that you earn in your paycheck Is accounted for before it ever hits your bank, basically And so you uh, you have envelopes, quote-unquote In this case, virtual In the past, it was literal envelopes Like people would go mm-hmm. to the bank, cash their check Have a bunch of cash and have a series of envelopes That they would keep in a drawer It's a bad idea to keep that much cash in a drawer, but, you know, but, you know, this is the food money and this is the entertainment Mm. money, et cetera. And you would spend those dollars. And when that money, when that envelope was empty, you were done spending that money. Um, So it's it's more um, present budgeting rather than future budgeting in a sense. Um, And. uh so, and the, the the big thing is every dollar has a job. Every dollar has, you know, has a purpose. And, you know, so the sum of it goes to savings and that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, in a way, the way that the way it works is it's supposed to prevent you from overspending in one category and then, you know, saying, oh, but I still get money in this category because I haven't spent that yet. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, that's, that is, you have defi- deficit spending. So this is supposed to prevent deficit spending. Uh, I used it for a while. Um, and like a lot of these things, I just kind of fell out of favor for me because I just, uh, it was, I have a family of seven. We have a fairly not super complex, you know, financial situation, but it just became a lot of work to keep track of these things. And some months, you know, we've got to spend a a bunch of extra money on Mm -hmm. summer camp or fixing the dishwasher and budgeting that stuff out over a long period. Like, you know, you fix the dishwasher once a year and I've got to be putting money away from every paycheck toward that. It it didn't work for me. It is kind of an I I. Idealistic, simplistic uh, model
1: for budgeting. I mean, again, if your if your budget's my budget, personal budget is pretty simple. So, I mean, something like this might work if I had the discipline to do it. Yeah. But you know, like like you said, Dom, there there are going to be things that are going to come up, and I, I know it does count for that as well. You know, okay, so your food budget. You went over your food budget this month. That's fine because it just means you're not going out to eat, and so you you can take that money from the entertainment budget and move it to the food budget, right? And stuff like that. You know, so there are ways to handle things like that. Yeah. But it's but if you're if your budget is somewhat complex and it it doesn't have a lot of flexibilities for those kind of emergencies you're talking about, unless you're planning, you have your emergency emergency envelope, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah.
2: you got to know this is how my mother Mm -hmm. ended up taking care of our family, because my father had a six month a year job. Yeah. So she had to figure out how to take six months of pay and stretch it out to 12. And she used the envelope system, not as intricate as we would today. But here was food. Here was how here was house. Here was, you know, here was rent. Here was food. Here was clothes. Yeah. And Mm. then extra. Right. And extra was what happened when one of those other three ran out. Mm -hmm. And she did it for years. Mm -hmm. And that's why when you said that that's what that is like, yeah, for some people, if you're just looking at a very simplistic or you have the type of job where you're a gig person, you're a gig worker and you have to make this stretch, this might be something you could benefit from. Mm-hmm. But don't knock the envelope system because you've got a lot of people. And it came out <laughs> of the depression. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm sure that's where it came out of because they had to figure out how to make things last. Yeah, yeah. And if we go into another depression, they will know how to do it with the electronics <laughs> this <Yeah>. time,
0: right? <laughs> so, uh, YNAB is is on the more expensive end of these. It's fifteen bucks a month or a hundred dollars a year. So that's that's a that's I think that's the most expensive of all these all except for these even more than premier deluxe uh, or quick and premier. I think it was. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's on the highest end of, of the cost of things.
2: That's uh, the first envelope. Yeah, <laughs> the right. first envelope is paying for this.
0: Yes. Um, now uh, I want to come back to rocket money. Um, I I want to talk about that. Cause that's something I'm actually using now, but um uh, come back to that. Uh, let's talk about some other software. These are downloadable software. Um Greenbooks for Mac and Moneywiz for Mac are two plenty of soft, uh, software. Uh, Greenbooks is $30. It's a you know one-time purchase with upgrades or it's part of setup. Uh, and uh, which so it's basically free. And it's uh all they also have a $10 iPhone app and uh, Greenbooks has basically two simple parts. It's, uh, it, does, it, it shows you your breakdown and trends. And that's really what it's about, is showing you the breakdown of your spending and the trends of your spending. Um, budget is not necessarily n- not necessary in this case if those give you enough data to keep track of your money. So for some people, again, their needs are simple enough that showing the breakdown of how you spend and the trend of your spending is enough to help you keep track of your money. Uh, MoneyWiz is another Mac uh, software. It's a subscription. It's five dollars a month, or twenty-five or fifty dollars a year, depending on the features you get, or free with set app. So that's actually a nice uh, mm. a- aspect of it. Um, it has lots of features. It is it is packed. It is a it it compares to Quicken for its feature list, um, and it can do all kinds of complex transactions and accounts and syncing. Um, if you have Bank accounts outside the US, it will it will sync with certain, you know, other, you know, outside the US banks. So that's a, a possibility. Uh, there is a lot to this app. There's a, a lot going on there. Um, Father Corey, you had one that you wanted to mention that you use? Yeah. So, I, of course, you know, for me, uh, cross platform is a big deal.
1: Um, yes. it, it's been for, you know, a long time. And what I use is called Money Dance, it's uh, from a company called Infinite Kind. And this one has been around for a very long time. I've been using it for almost twenty years, and it's it's a Java app. You know, it came out when Java was the big big hotness, and it still kind of sticks around. But the advantage of that, of course, is it is cross platform. It works on Mac, it works on Linux, it works on Windows. It has iOS and Android versions as well that sync through Dropbox. Um, So that that makes it really easy for syncing and everything. And it's I I would say it's fairly feature parity with Quicken as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It does it does have a lot of your Budgeting, it does a lot of your tracking, your categories, your all that kind of stuff. Uh, can do some investment. I haven't really played with the investment side of it, but it can do some of that kind of stuff. Uh, if you, it, it's 65 dollars for two years of updates. So what it means is if you bought it right now, you would get the 2023 and 2024 versions for 65 dollars. Mm. But then you could keep using the 2024 version for the rest of your life for as long as you know you can get the software and use it. Right. Um, or it's nine dollars a month. And that's with just continual updates. And but that also allows you to do the online banking component where you can go and connect your bank accounts and it sucks it down mm-hmm. instead of having to do the export from your bank account and import into here. Um, yeah. So that that helps. That helps a lot for for being able to kind of keep track of that if if you want to do that. But it's just, it's something I've used. Again, if you're familiar with Quicken, you're familiar with some of these other software packages, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, Big advantage, again, is it's cross-platform, and it is a dedicated app. Yeah. So that you do, you know, again, you can buy one license and keep using it. I can keep using one of my old licenses if I wanted to, because they do allow upgrade upgrade paths as well. Mm -hmm. So if you say you bought the 2023 license in 2025, you can pay like half cost or $25, for the mm-hmm. next license and the next, you know, yep. so uh, they, they want you to keep using it. And, you know, and of course they, 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 but they want to have it so that you have the freedom to just say, okay, I, I paid enough for this and I'm good to go. So, but it like I said, it does a lot of the yeah. quick and stuff and, you know, those features.
0: One of the things that we should mention is, is that when apps do have uh, phone apps, versions you know of them, mm-hmm. one of the potential uses for that is to keep track on the go so that when you're yes. spending out there, you know, you don't have to, come home with all your receipts and enter them in, you know, and that sort of thing. But you're out and, you know, like a lot of your transactions if you use your debit card, for instance, that if you have the Mm -hmm. syncing, that'll, that'll come down. But, you know, say you go out to lunch with friends and you chip in 20 bucks toward it, you can enter that right there. So you don't forget that you spent that money and that sort of thing. So, you know, cash transactions or other sorts of transactions that aren't synced or that sort of thing. So, um, Uh,
1: yeah. And you can look at, look at a glance too, you know, instead of having to go, okay, you know, have I got paid yet? Oh, it, you know, it's, it's yeah. true because it's synced or, Order. or, you know, I get, or is it a, you know, do I have money? In can I budget. afford to go pull <laughs> 60 bucks <laughs> out? Yeah. Yeah. Can I
0: afford to go pull 60 bucks out? You know, stuff like that. That's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of banking apps where you can look at your, your, uh, you know your bank lets you look at your balance, but that doesn't tell you about your budget, and that's one of the things that, that that's good. Uh, so I wanted to talk about Rocket Money uh, briefly. This is one that used to be called Truebill. Bill, and it does a lot of the same things, where it keeps track of your spending and your income and categorizes things. But the real uh, feature that they initially, a True Bill initially rolled out, that was you know the reason to to, to use it, was this thing where it lowers your bills. And what they do is they'll look at you know various of your transactions, things you subscribe to, really. So whether it's your cable bill or your phone bill or your newspaper subscription, whatever, and they will offer to contact those companies on your behalf and negotiate a lower price for you. Um, and they do all the legwork and it costs you nothing to, for them to ask. Uh, if they do get a lower price, they take a portion of the savings over a period of time. So you got to look and see whether it's worthwhile for you. Uh, so I did this with a couple of things. I did this with my phone bill when I was with AT&T and they lowered my bill. They, they saved, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks a month over the, over this period of time. Um, and, uh, they did it with my newspaper bill, my newspaper subscription, and so, uh, there are other ones where I, I didn't want them messing with it. <laughs> like, don't, don't talk to them. <laughs> I said, don't do that. I don't know if it was completely worthwhile because they do take a good chunk of the savings and you don't really realize that savings until after like two, three, four months. I think it was, uh, in some cases. Um uh, so, and it, you know, but, um, they are free with a premium product and, um, you know, the, Uh, let's see, what was the the differences on it? Um, Here it is. So it uh, tracks your spending and compares it to your history. You've spent more this month, you spent less this month. Um, It will auto detect subscriptions so it can do that whole lowering your bill thing. Um, And... uh, If you get premium, which is $7 a month, it gives you your full credit report rather than just your score and something called cancellation concierge. So when it comes time to say, cancel your cable subscription, so you don't have to do the whole like, are you sure you want to cancel? What if we gave you this? (laughs) No, just cancel it. I am moving and you can't provide me with service anymore. Well, what if we gave you this? You know, so they have somebody does all that for you. Um, and then they also things like net worth tracking and that sort of stuff. So for people who have net worth, not me, uh, that would track that sort of thing for you as well. Uh, so I I haven't found it really necessary. I mean, their their tracking and spending stuff is okay. Like a lot of them, they they really struggle with categorizing things that they've sucked in through the syncing with your bank accounts because sometimes that stuff is really cryptic. And so like and and they do that thing where I mentioned before where. I I have told you every month that this goes into online services category. Why can't you just put it there? Or uh, <laughs> I do electronic giving to my parish. And it's like every month, it, every week, it's the same transaction. It looks exactly the same. And every week I tell it in the future, every time you see this, categorize it as charitable giving. And I just have to keep doing it every week. So that's frustrating and annoying and keeps me from paying you know, paying them money for the thing. Um, but, um, I don't worry too much about it. Um, you know, I'm not using this. This isn't, you know, the, the, the end all be all of my financial tracking. So, uh, that's useful. One other thing I want to mention in addition to is another iOS app that is useful for finances. It's not, it doesn't, it's not for finance tracking per se, but it's an app called Bobby for iOS. Mm-hmm. It tracks your subscriptions so that, you know, because if you if you go look, we today especially if you're a techie and you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, we have so many subscriptions to so many services, <laughs> whether it's streaming services or what have you. So Bobby will track from a list of existing services, they have hundreds listed. You know, when things renew, is it a monthly? Is it a yearly? Uh, how much? And it will let you know, hey, you're coming up. You still have this active subscription. It's coming up. And, you know, for renewal, um, are you still using it? And so it's a way because I bet if you audit yourself, you'll find that there are subscriptions that you still have that you're still paying for that you didn't realize. Um, yeah.
2: Well, that's what I have in an Excel spreadsheet Yeah. is every month. But I've started to move to Bobby. Yes. Because because this way it'll start telling me instead of me always going to look for it every right. month saying, okay, what's up this month? And it helps you weed through some of the ones you don't want. Or if you just did it for a year and it was like, okay, well, with genealogy stuff, I did one for a year and I went, nah, I am I don't use this that much. So you have to go back and you have to turn it off. So yes. this is a good way to get <laughs> you to do that. I
0: use a combination of, uh, I, I use a numbers spreadsheet and, uh, and Bobby, uh, but the numbers spreadsheet is, I have like all the subscriptions, all of them monthly, Mm. whether it's monthly, yearly, the annual cost, the type of subscription, how I, how I pay it. So like on what debit card or credit card or whatever. Um, And then I do an annual audit of this. So I, in addition to using Bobby, I do this as well. Every beginning of the year, I go through like, am I still using this? Do I still want to use this? Has the price gone up? How much has it gone up? And I make some hard decisions and I sometimes go, you know what? Mm-hmm. I I may be useless, but I don't want, but I, I, I'm spending too much on this. I mean, well, I look at these categories. I'm like, oh man, that's a lot of money. I'm spending on this stuff.
1: Well, and it's, it's a good thing to have that stuff where you can find it easily because, you know, for example, you know, Amazon prime, it's like every year now has been going up. It's oh, like, you know, yes. it used to be what? $50 a year or something like that yeah. now it's 110, 120, 130, 139,
2: whatever it is. isn't it? Now? Yeah.
1: And it's, it's, but if you keep an eye out, you may be able to find some deals. Like I know for those of us who are military and veterans, they always put out a veterans day sale on their prime where it's usually half off. So stuff like that, where if you've got your subscriptions and you know that this particular subscription does come up for deals once in a while, that might be a time to look at and say, okay, now is the time to renew it, even though it doesn't actually auto renew for another three months, six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can get some good deals and you can save money that way, too.
2: That's that's the game we play with streaming services. You know, you, right. you wait for Black Friday sales and deals and it's like, OK, now you can get Paramount for half off for the year.
0: Yeah. And yep. Subscribe while the show is that you want to watch is on, and then cancel for a few months, and mm-hmm. and that's why they're coming, rolling them out one right after the other, actually, the, the way they yeah. do it these days. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but when
1: just yeah, one thing, just go back to to Rocket Money. Uh Should just, just mentioned uh, it's part of that. If you've seen the commercial for Rocket Mortgage, it's it was that's that the other ones that who bought app it. was bought by them. Yeah, and they are Intuit affiliated because Rocket Mortgage was originally. Quicken Loans, right? That's but they right. are not owned by Intuit. But if it's a concern of having, you know, even even connection with Intuit, that's something to be aware of. That's true. Um, but it, it's again, it, it could be, like I said, they are separate companies. They are not.
0: They got spun owned off. by
1: Intuit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was never a part of Intuit. It was a licensing thing.
0: Oh, okay. Quicken
1: Loans. Yeah. But it's still, it's just something to be aware of. That if uh, you know, if, if you're concerned about Intuit, that's something about that you should be aware. Of, so
0: yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's, um, my list. So Father Corey, you use, um, uh, money dance, uh, Joanne, you mm-hmm. said you guys use Quicken. And, uh, so, uh, so I should probably just like, so what I use is I use a little combination of rocket money, my banks, uh, app, uh, you know, that their, their website and, and app and, uh, spreadsheet. That's basically what I use. I've I've tried these. I may go try them again. I've tried MoneyWiz. I don't think I mentioned that. And I've tried some of the others. And it just is. I. It just you know, with a family of seven, it just it's a lot of time spent categorizing. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure that's useful for me. That categorizing. Maybe if I were a more accountant type of person, it would be better. But I just can't get my head around it. And you know. I can't say I've always been a, a a financial whiz. In fact, I will say I've never been great with finances. <laughs> in my 50s, I'm finally getting into a place where my finances are, are looking better. Um but nevertheless, uh you know, we are where we are and you know, I'll keep trying things as they as they improve. Frankly, I think AI, we'll talk about it in a bit, could improve this area a lot by being smarter about transactions and what they are and how they fit. I would love that. That sort of assistance. So, excellent. So that's uh, our talk discussion of personal finance software. And if you have any particular questions in this area or other products that you you folks would like to mention and recommend, you can do so by emailing us at technology at sqpn.com or you'll join a conversation in our discord at sqpn.com slash discord. So before we move on, I would like to uh, take a moment to thank some patrons who have added us to their budget (laughs) to help us continue (laughs) to bring you the secrets of technology, including uh, Cyprian C., Ron B., Damien M., Gene L., and Chad M., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And when you put those into your finance software, make sure to mark them as tax deductible because SQPN is a 501c3. All right, so let's talk about some headlines. Uh, This one is just a bit of a public service announcement. There's a botnet out there that is... uh, comes around once in a while and keeps getting itself upgraded. And it's a malicious uh, botnet that sends out uh, spam mails that contain viruses. And this one is called uh, Emotet. And what it will do is it can send an email that appears to come from someone in your contacts uh, where addresses you by name and seems to be replying to an existing email thread, and it will contain an attachment either, like, I think a word doc is usually or some sort of office document um and that document will then have a virus inside it um one of the things to to keep in mind is is when you get office docs that have that are very large like this it's they talk about ones being over five hundred megabytes, which is frankly. I'm not sure my I could take you know, my software would download an attachment that large, but um if you get attachments that large from people that you know and especially when you're not expecting it, be very wary. The reason it's that large is because that usually uh chokes virus detection software, so they artificially enlarge it with all kinds of spurious data to make it you know pass by the virus detectors so um so keep yeah, in I mean, mind. It's,
1: it- it, it, one nice thing is a lot of um, your email clients, whether it's Gmail or if you're using ProtonMail or one of the, you know one of the online mail services, or if you're using Thunderbird or, or something like that, it will show you the size of the of the attachment. Yeah, where you know you know where you click to download the attachment or view the attachment, it will show you the size of it. Yeah, so that's that's something good habit to be at. You know, kind of glance is okay, one meg, two meg, yeah, not not a big deal. That that might have a few pictures in there. 500 meg, mm.
0: I don't want 500 meg attachments
1: from people. <laughs> danger will Robinson danger, you yeah. know?
0: Um, yeah.
2: You know, and all I keep thinking is filters, filters, filters. I know some of this comes from norm- from your regular contacts, but I know my regular contacts enough. And if they send me something, they usually tell me, I'm going to be sending you something. Right. right. You know, if they just send it out of the blue, the first thing I would do is pick up the phone and say, why did you send me this?
0: Well and the way that they're they're trying to trick people is that it's part of an existing email thread. So mm-hmm. unless you're expecting a large attachment as part of an existing you know right. that's a red flag. One of the things right. that that Microsoft started doing was disabling macros uh, as a you know as a default so that when the document opens the macro is the is the payload that's that's how it runs that's the virus. And so now they're trying the, these documents will pop up as saying oh enable content you know enable the macros so that you can see the content you know and it's this this dire warning that you need to enable it yeah don't do that (laughs) so if you if you open a document from someone and it says hey you know run a macro think carefully why would it need to run a macro so just in general Mm -hmm. so um be careful folks so uh, our next headline is a specifically Catholic technology story. This is, um, there's a new Blessed Carlo Acutis VR game coming out this October. And it, Blessed Carlo, it was the 15-year-old Italian video gamer, uh, you know, uh, kid who has been beatified and is on his way to canonization. And the, um, and he, you know, he he's known for having built a Eucharistic miracles website back in the early you know 2000s and um, mm-hmm. you know like Star Wars and was, you know, did some programming and that sort of thing. So um, the this new game called The Acutist Game uh, is billed as an open world VR video game that lets you join him, Blessed Carlo, on epic adventures through time and space. He's not the, 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 the doctor from Doctor Who, but uh, from time <laughs> and space, through church history, meeting, you know, famous, you know, meeting saints and uh, going to you know, famous places in our faith and that sort of thing. There's a video trailer that you can watch. And when I, when I watched it, I, I didn't see much about how the game plays and I mm-hmm. wasn't super impressed by the graphic quality. We're not talking, you know, uh, Halo level graphics here, that sort of thing. Um, but you know, what do you think? Is this, is this like cheesy trying to be like everyone else or is there some value in doing stuff like this?
2: No, I I think there's value. I I do. And mm-hmm. and as one who has had to use video and media from you know air quote catholic companies who are a little short on um how shall we say, you know, up-to updated graphic type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Any any of this if it will get the minds of our young ones even thinking for five seconds of something else Mm -hmm. that they're, that we could actually use something like this to take them on a trip to see saints in their own environment, in their own time. I'm for it. I mean, unless it's $4,000, you know, (laughs) you need $2,000 Apple headsets that are coming out Mm. shortly, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, it's another way to be accessible to the generation that we have right now. And this is where they live. Mm. A lot of them live in this universe, so let's get in their universe and evangelize them.
1: Yeah, I, I think it can be a good thing. Of course, you know they advertise it as an open world metaverse, first Catholic open world metaverse, and it's yeah. like okay, buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. Catholic <laughs> buzzword, yeah. exactly. You know? yeah. It's like okay, you know, and so I, I kind of smirk a little bit only because how many times have we seen projects like this where there's a lot of promise and they could be really good. Evangelization tool and like like you said though Dom, the graphics don't look so hot and they're really not very good and they don't play well. Um, and if if this if this is what they're trying to make it, where people can walk through the history of the church and they're adding all these historical figures in there, I think it could be a wonderful thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it can be a great, like you said, Joanne, it can be a wonderful teaching tool, a wonderful way to reach out to, especially you know, teenage groups, but. I guess the, the history of, of gaming in the Christian Catholic Church is exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Christian My video adventures of, on it, the it, NES was horrible. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> and
2: and there is a difference between Christian and Catholic. Yeah, And I have seen the difference no. in, well, in sometimes in graphic, it, no, I have. I mean, I'm still using stuff, I'm using stuff right now in the parishes that, you know, has has a market step up from what we used to have because some of them were really bad cartoons
0: well that's what i'm saying when when i said christian video games like there was a period of time when you know whether it was a christian or cat you know protestant or catholic the quality of christian video games in not even just the technology but even just in the gameplay was lower and Mm -hmm. i think that's an important point to make because if we're going to be Doing the the most important subject of all, which is faith, uh, you know, we still have to strive for the highest quality in right. technology yeah. and mm-hmm. in, in gameplay, and make it the. It, we you can't say, well, it's good enough because it's Catholic or good enough because it's religious content. No, no, right. and that's one of the reasons why, with SQPN, for example, I strive for the highest possible mm. quality in our yeah. production.
1: Well, and it's it's not just video games. It's not just video games. It's all media. Yes. Um. I. You know, I mean, Mother Angelica did amazing work. She brought a lot of people to church and kept a lot of people in the church that were becoming upset by what was going on. But no one is ever going to accuse e, e, or, uh, EWTN, EWTN <laughs> of being high quality, high production value. Never happened. Now, you've got the Formed website, Formed.org, right? mm-hmm. which... That's Augustine Institute and St. Joseph's Communications, and they put out amazing, high quality video, high quality content.
2: That's that's what I was trying to get. What we need to strive for, you know. Right.
1: So, you know, I. I, I, That's why. Hopefully, with this game, hopefully that as they develop it, the gameplay part will come out because even graphics. I mean, of course, people like you know the eight bit and sixteen bit pixel art graphics. So, I mean, graphics aren't quite as big a deal in a game. But if it's got good gameplay and if it's interesting and, and it's fun and kids and, you know, yeah. then that would be a very good thing.
0: If it's just walking around in an open world and you then standing in front of St. Therese and then she talks at you for five minutes, that's not yeah. going to hold kids interest. Right. You know, It's got to right. be more than that. So um, hopefully it is. Uh, and we'll find out October 12th, 2023. The Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis is the date set for the game's release. So our last headline, uh, speaking of uh, the AIs, before we were talking about AIs, ChatGPT version 4 is out for uh, certain people. If you're a paid subscriber to the open AI's service or uh, various other products that have included in it as well. Um, ChatGPT4 claims to beat 99% of humans who take the bar exam. That's the one to become a lawyer. 99% of students who compete in the biology Olympiad and this whole list of other um, uh, tests like SATs and AP tests and other academic and certification related tests and, I'm sorry. Does it matter? <laughs> does this I, I don't know that this impressed me that it can pass tests. It doesn't actually tell yeah. me whether you're especially, useful,
1: especially a lot of these tests are knowledge kind of tests. You're talking about like AP World History, AP U.S. Government, the SAT, the LSAT. A lot of that is, do you know the information to put on the test? Right. It's not about can you it's, think? Can you right. reason? Yeah. And even even things like uh, English lit. Well, okay, yeah. Chat GPT can put out a passable essay, or at least a passable first draft of an essay.
0: A basic, very easily, yeah, basic, very, very, you know, standard essay format. For, for you know, so open close, three paragraphs in between, you know, that sort of thing, right? And has the information
1: to do it with, you know, in theory with the truth. Although, Dom, you you figured out that Chat GPT doesn't always do so well on say summaries for certain tv shows
0: but (laughs) right i tried to do that although to be fair gpt 4 is an update to the one that's available to most of us and that i used before Mm -hmm. it's got a more up-to-date model but it also has a better model it's better at um getting actual facts like a lot of these ones when you ask it about a particular person it will come up with Mm -hmm. all kinds of bizarre claims about people because they're not AI, like in the sense of they're not reasoning, they're not thinking, they're language models. So they're basically, I like to think it as a very advanced version of autocorrect. You know, when you do that autocorrect game where you just put in a word and then just hit the, the middle word yeah. over and over <laughs> again, Next, it, next. It's, yep. predict, it's a predictive algorithm. It's predicting what the next thing is going to be. Now this does it on a much higher level, a sophisticated level, but that's essentially what it's doing is predicting what the next word is going to be. And that's how it works. And so that's why it sometimes doesn't do that well. I, I find these models can be very useful for certain things like the other yesterday, I was reading a news article talking about this this guy who works for the government, makes two hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year, and I'm like, what is that in take home pay? So I asked, I say, okay, and you know, for like for someone like me in my situation, so I asked ChatGPT, I said, you know, uh, what is the monthly take home pay of a man in uh, who has five dependents living in Massachusetts? Um, who makes $325,000 a year. And it went through the whole thing. It said uh, social security and withholdings and all this other thing. And it bottom lined it. And it was like 16 grand or something like that, which is a very nice bottom line a month. <laughs> a month. It would be very nice to, 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 for a family of seven to have. And uh, that's half my annual salary <laughs> in a month. I mean, I know, you I don't know. want me to go there. <laughs> yeah. So, but, it, and I'm like, is that accurate? So then I put in my salary and it, came up pretty close to what my actual take home pay is. So I'm like, so that, that's a pretty that sort of thing. Like I couldn't Google that. Like if I tried to Google that, I would have had to go through all these charts and figure all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. out. It would have been a lot harder to do. So I like that. I mean, one thing I use it for, for a serious purpose for work is I take, um, summaries of all each of our podcasts and I put it in there. It said, give me an engaging, Tweet under 250 characters. I need to leave space for the URL that, you know, f- that just dis- that uh, based on this description of a podcast episode and, you know, if folks have been following us on Twitter or Facebook. They've been seeing these out there. You know, I I, I often have to ed- edit and tweak it a bit. But mm-hmm. um, th- so it's useful for things like that. And I can see that sort of thing. I don't ever seeing this an AI being. Uh, good enough to be a lawyer because being a lawyer isn't about passing the bar exam. Right. You know, passing. I mean, being good in life at anything isn't about passing a test, frankly. And, right. And lots of people will tell you that the the grades you got in college are not necessarily an indicator of your ability to be good at a particular job. Well, well
1: here's right. the, here's a funny one is it's got, you know, the sommelier Exams, which is the the, the wine tasting, yeah. you know, wine expert. Wine tasting is silver supply. Like wine expert, right? You know, and yeah, it's the theory side of it where you talk about you know uh, a Merlot should taste like, and this is the kind of grapes that they use to make a Malbec, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's all theory. That's all you know, l- learning knowledge. But it can't. An AI <laughs> can't actually take a yeah. bottle of wine. And taste it and tell you, yes, I am tasting, you know, red fruit and yeah. this type of flavor and the tannins. And and
0: even further, you- <laughs> yeah, it can't tell you. Whether you whether it's good, enjoy it. out yeah, yeah. make a value judgment, and that's the big area where AI will never get there because AI is never going to be sentient. It's never going to be a person, no matter what these people say. The data is a toaster, as <laughs> Jimmy famously mm-hmm. said, and
2: it's never one, going to be able to make goes, a value
1: judgment. Let's go ahead, father one, one thing it will do though is it could tell you what are some good food pairings to go with it.
2: Definitely, it could. It could, you
1: know, because it would know that again, like this kind of food, this savory food is good with a sweeter wine or vice versa, or which would
0: be based on knowledge gained by human beings who've tasted. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So they're useful as assistants or tools, but they're never going to replace people for a lot of these things.
2: I would like to see it take a music exam
0: Um, for
2: playing, writing, music theory. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Music theory, music composition. It could probably do music theory pretty well because that, that's still a, a lot science. of knowledge yeah. and science. Yeah, it's now a lot composition, of a composition or arranging
2: yeah. is a whole other story. Right. Because you have to take those concepts and put them to use. A composition is is creative could, original. Arranging is taking something somebody else wrote
0: there was an episode of Star Trek to the next generation where data was composing music. And I remember Mm. this discussion, which was interesting is, you know, Picard points out to data, you know, while you're, 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 uh, Oh, actually was he was, he didn't compose it. He was playing like a Mozart. Your, your technical, your technique was flawless, but it didn't have Mm. soul. And that's the thing that, AI could could create something technically flawless, but it would never have right. that soul, and that's the art of music.
2: Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah,
0: so, uh, very interesting. So we'll continue to see how that goes. All right. So those are our headlines. Let's move on to our picks of the week. And Joanne, I'll let you go first. What's your pick this week?
2: Well, it was inspired by when you were talking about uh, programs for kids going to co- school and college. And I'm not sure if I I went looking to see if I've, I've talked about this before, but it's a cross-platform program called Audio Note. And what it does is it's a notepad and voice recorder. Okay. So basically you put it, you put your computer out on the table and as you're taking notes, it's recording whatever's going on, whether it's a meeting, whether it's a lecture. And as you're taking notes, it's assigning it to the point in the recording mm. that you're taking notes on. I found that to be a very, very useful tool, especially in staff meetings. But but when I was get doing master's work um at you know recently, not way before, uh this was a very useful thing for me to go back and and, and work later on. I, I like it um a lot. Yep. And it, I forget what the price of it is now. I don't know if it, see the one I have is a standalone. I don't have a subscription. Mm-hmm. I think Audio Note 2 is subscription verse, version. But it is cross-platform. You can try it for a month, see if it works for you. Um, you can do photos with it at the same time. So if something's going on, you can take a photo and it will, you know, attach mm-hmm. it. It'll attach anything to where your audio is course when you do this you have to make sure you have permission to take audio
0: right that's an important you know, be
2: able to record anything so yeah. you gotta let your teachers know or you have to let your staff people know that this is how this is working
0: so it's 15 bucks for the mac app it's free you know, on I, ios although i mm-hmm. think for a lot of the good features it's 10 bucks yeah you have to get the 10 dollar yeah. upgrade um yeah one of the things that's great is when you take notes and then you look and go back and look at your notes and go i don't understand what <laughs> i was thinking what that note means and then you got <laughs> the audio right there to, to, yep. to listen to mm-hmm. so that is a great and idea. it
2: also it also syncs to icloud Oh, good. So you can keep, right. So you can listen to them in different places, but also that's where I keep most of everything because the files do tend to be big. Audio if you don't have a lot of hard drive space, then you've got to keep them somewhere. So
0: yeah. Good point. Great. Good pick. Father Corey, what's yours? So
1: I'm going with something kind of, kind of fun. It is, it's a, a, a fan podcast, fan audio cast really kind of like audio drama, but for those of us who are Star Trek fans, we know that Voyager just kind of went they made it home the end, yes, right, yeah, and what happened after and there there were books that came out after, but of course, in the Star Trek universe, books aren't canon, yes, so you can take or leave books. It's not like some other canons like Star Wars where books matter, but um so there's a lot of fans who are like, okay, so what did happen to the crew when they come back and i I get the feeling that these the the Voyager books weren't exactly the most well received either, so um, this is Star Trek Voyager season eight. It's a, like I said, it's a fan podcast where it's audio dramas, really one person, audio dramas where he's telling what he thinks happened after. And right now he's only got six, six episodes of the season up. I think he's doing like a full season. I can't remember exactly how long. And it, there, and there, there's some time between each of them, you know, about a year or so. Um, but it, he does a really good job he really, he voices each of the characters and he voices them in kind of the way they speak. Um, and he kind of tells the, the, in, in, you know, in between commentary and stuff like that and sound effects from the show and stuff like, and things like that. And it's, it's really well done. It's a really good, really good story too. I really kind of enjoy it. You know, things didn't go quite as smoothly as the crew might've hoped when they got home. <laughs> nice. Um, you know, the, the, the crew was, 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 uh, pulled off Voyager. Voyager was sent off to the, the, planet uh Utopia planitia shipyards to be re refurbished and refit and you know, all that kind of stuff and it's it's it, it tells about how the different crew are affected with coming home you know tom par and his relationship with his his parents and stuff like that yeah. really really well done uh series and hopefully he he can do more again um it is one person kind of doing the whole thing he's doing the writing and the yeah the reading and everything but he does a good job he's also working on getting uh Animation done on YouTube. He's done like the oh, first on. part of the first episode animated. Huh. And so that's kind of cool. So that eventually he could have this all as you could watch it instead of listening
0: to it. Cool. So. Yeah. Sounds like an audiobook then. Yeah. Like, so he's reading yeah. it like an audiobook with with yeah, yeah, special is, yeah. effects. Cool. Very good. So my pick is something I mentioned actually last week uh, in passing. And so I thought I'd make it my pick this week. And uh, so Thomas mentioned that, uh, you know, when you have. Any type of electronics in the bedroom, and if you're at all sensitive to light when you sleep, you know, all of these really bright LEDs, Why I don't know why all these devices have such bright LEDs, especially <laughs> the blue ones. Like, a little blue LED will light up your room like it's daytime. Uh, so th- this is something to counteract that. You can put electrical tape over it, but this is a LED light blocking stickers. Uh, they're formulated, they're made to, of. they come in all different sizes and shapes, 'cause some of these LEDs can be pretty big. And yeah. and and sometimes like the LED is such that if you put electrical tape over it would block things and would look ugly. Uh but these will uh block between it says between 50% and 80% of all LED lights completely. It'll black them out, which is the 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 key here. Uh they're formulated to black them out. And it's, you get a whole sheet of or two sheets of them. Uh several dozen uh, uh, I I don't know exactly how many. Uh, for six bucks, uh, which is a pretty good deal. Wow. Um, of all of these LEDs, and my wife is very sensitive to LED light or any light when she's sleeping. Mm. We have to have blackout curtains in the bedroom and that sort of thing, and so um, th- this was the solution to block all of the like the chargers and all the other things that have little lights <laughs> that are on in the night so
2: where was this I, when i needed it yeah i was
0: gonna say i i need this
1: i'm one of those that I, I i'm fairly sensitive to light as well you know i'm glad my my alarm clock for example you can dim it down to almost invisible during the day right you know but the, yeah you get those little phone chargers and they've got this one little light that always happens to point right yep. at your face
0: <laughs> or never fails air conditioners is, is another big uh culprit they have these those those big, you know, uh, screens. And so these have large rectangles that can go over something like an air conditioner, light, um, like the mini splits that above your bed, for instance, we have that or air filters. I mean, there's all kinds of things. So I found it's 100 stickers per sheet. So you get all kinds of stuff. And uh, so very useful. All right. So those are our picks of the week. And that's it from us. We would love to hear your feedback on anything we've discussed today. You can let us know by commenting at the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. You can send an email to technology at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You'll find links from our discussion and picks of the week on our show notes at s- at starquest.fm slash tech209. T E C 209. That's the show number. Remember to like the episodes of Secrets of Tech on our Facebook page. Retweet them on Twitter, where we're at SQPN. Leave us comments wherever you find us. We love to hear from you. Until next time, Joanne Mercier, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, John. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.